Hey guys, this is Matt. And this is Sean. Welcome to the show. We're meeting at the crossroads of wellness and sales in an attempt to share different mental, physical, and spiritual tactics to attain better results in your life of sales. We're going to experiment, challenge, and discuss what may or may not work for you in hopes to push you to become the best version of yourself. Hope you enjoyed today's show. All right. We are here live with Xander. What's going on, man? Hey, Xander. How you doing? Great to see you guys. Great to see you too. Happy Friday. Happy Friday as well. Trying to stay warm out here in this <laughs> Atlanta weather. It's crazy, right? It's supposed, supposed to snow today. I didn't see any. And then like two days ago, it was yeah. 70 degrees. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, well, man. yeah. So guys, excited today. We got uh, Xander Garovi, another Atlanta native here. Uh, just quick, quick background on Xander. So Xander's an ex-sales uh, rep turned entrepreneur and co-founder of a startup called IntroSnap, which is actually a product I use in my day-to-day, like it. Uh, so he started IntroSnap after experiencing the pains of sales reps' encounters when they're trying to get the attentions of prospect, build personal rapport. I mean, as we all know, building pipeline is super easy, right? Yeah, so easy. Outbound I mean, prospecting, super easy. Just call right? and they pick up. Yeah, exactly. Just smile and dial. But <laughs> moved from San Francisco, lived in a little little shoebox, paying uh, 17000 a month over here to Atlanta uh, to, to, to pursue his MBA at Emory Goizeta Business School. I probably mispronounced that, but it sounds fancy and awesome. And I'm sure you got a, a great degree there. So uh, big fan of camping, cycling, running, beach volleyball, real estate investing, and obviously entrepreneurship. So Xander, once again, welcome. Thank you. Really excited to be here. And you were uh, spot on with that 17000 a month Shoebox department. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I always like to kind of start at the beginning. Let's let's kind of hear your you know your backstory of how you got into sales and then how you sort of pivoted on into onto the entrepreneur side. It's obviously a lot of a lot of risk there, but you're you know you're a young guy and and you made the leap relatively soon. So, would love to hear hear that story. Yeah. So the, my progression into sales was, was kind of like a very logical progression, right? It just kind of happened after uh, undergrad. I went to UC Santa Cruz in Santa Cruz, California, uh, a banana slug is my mascot. And my introduction <laughs> to sales was, <laughs> was uh, working with my dad's consulting company. So he was in a, he owned a construction consulting business uh, where there were tons of hurdles in getting new business, lots of RFPs, lots of person-to-person interactions. And you had to have these kind of like deeply entrenched relationships to uh, get a deal across the finish line, right? And so I was instrumental in doing the RFP work, doing the sales cycle from be- beginning to end on some really, really large contracts with the state of California, uh, the Canadian government, uh, organizations like that. And there became a a point in that kind of progression where I was like, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, tech is in my backyard, like I'm I'm this young, I need to be exposed to tech, just to kind of feel it out and see see how it is. Um, So shortly thereafter, I I jumped into that space, I was at Oracle, um, doing sales there for their marketing cloud division, which was really cool, because you are in this in this kind of big behemoth of Oracle, but within that you're in this kind of startup, right? Where marketing technology like B2B, email automation, uh, you know, and uh, uh, website optimization, those things were really new at the time. 
And so it was kind of a cool, cool thing to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, ultimately I was, I was essentially poached because uh, from a uh, Oracle Marketing Cloud partner who really wanted me to bring that expertise there. And I grew significantly at this organization. It was called Lattice Engines at the time. It was acquired by Dun & Bradstreet. Uh, but I was basically, you know, doing sales cycles, managing mm -hmm. major logos like Dropbox and all these other companies and just became, you know, had built a good uh, experience at startups. I was at Trip Actions as well um, after that. Um, unfortunately, you know, part of the reason I'm, I'm here where I am is because I worked at Trip Actions up until when COVID hit and the company took a took a pretty big hit and i was i was a part of that cuz no one was traveling for for business purposes um, but kind of experiencing the pain of the sales rep you know the like you were saying earlier matt you know building pipeline having to come up with all these really creative ways to simply you know stand out from the noise build relationship with your prospect these were things mm -hmm. that i as a sales rep were i was quite good at it I always had the most kind of enticing sales loft cadence or outreach cadence, depending on what we used. I was the one sending the gift cards. I was the one sending the donuts, oftentimes spending my own money, like no chance of reimbursement, but whatever, like as long as I hit my number right and, and, and crush yeah. it, then that's all that yeah. matters to me. Um, and so the problem was like, People, I would be sending these Dunkin' Donuts to, to prospects and they would eat the donut and they'd say, thank you very much, but like, have a good one, right? Or like, yep. why, why, you know what I mean? Like doing, going the extra mile, but still not really getting there. And it's a pain point that basically everyone in sales has, including the my coworkers mm -hmm. I was working with. And basically upon moving to Atlanta, and kind of like summarizing all of this experience and like what what pain do sales reps have everyone wants more pipe no one has enough pipe even if they're totally crushing it and even if you close a deal two seconds later you're thinking about the next one right mm -hmm. and you know when your deal's at the finish line what can i do to close this now right um and so this is kind of how intro snap came about it's like instead of offering or instead of giving paying for Starbucks gift cards up front or sending donuts up front without any commitment from the prospect or any, it just, it's, it doesn't resonate anymore with prospects because it's kind of something that worked a few years ago. Yep. Offering mm -hmm. to support a charity that's near and dear to your prospect, right? Enables you to stand out, right? Accelerates the deal to the next stage and just builds this level of rapport where you're like, hey, you volunteered at the animal shelter in Decatur, like, you know, what started that? How long have you been there? I'd love to support that. Uh, it's it's just, it's it, it's working great. So that's well, where we are. And I love everything about that. And I think the thing about that that's even cooler is it's something that would never, it's never going to get old, you know, so yeah. <sighs> donate to another charity. Cause we had right. one of our <clears throat> former CMOs posted on LinkedIn just yesterday. Two days ago, so, yeah. and he was talking about getting inundated with a million emails, and you know none of them are specific because they're all coming from just a cadence, and some might have something special here, and then a, a funny gift here, and a bunch of us were commenting back and forth that five six years ago a lot of that worked. You'd get a laugh, yeah. You'd get that, and now the the sales off cadence and outreach cadence that used to work now is just in some sense, hate to say this, is now kind of a spammy marketing email, yeah. And they get the the 
funny little video and they're like, this is the same stuff, right? Or to your point, the Starbucks gift card or the take a meeting and get an Amazon yeah. gift card. And we st- still use that from time to time. You get the meeting, maybe you get a little bit of information you should still capture, but then it's see a buy. And something like this is never going to end. You're going to get someone's interest. That sounds really cool. But in five years, someone's not going to now just donate to another charity again. Come on. I love that. That's incredible. And we're, I was just talking to my BDR yesterday about cool new ways of, of trying to capture someone's attention. And this just really hits the spot. I love it. So how'd you come up with this idea? Yeah. So it was basically, you know, uh, actually I, I first kind of transitioned from physical gifting and then I actually (laughs) offered in one of my cadences to support a charity that um, one of my prospects select or like they, there was no platform. It was just kind of like, tell me what you want me to donate to and I'll do it. Right. Um, And it kind of ended at that point. I didn't actually get to do it at scale, but based on the positive reception that I got um, from some of these prospects that I offered it to, it was like, okay, this could actually be something, right? So it, it's, it was really just coming from all the pain I experienced as a rep and then saying, you know, there, there's some statistic out there where it's saying 90% of B2B buyers can't want to know that you, they, that you care about what they care about. And yeah. 87% of buyers would switch brands if they knew of a brand that was more aligned with kind of what they, what they care about. Right. And in this, when you're following these trends of ESG, right, like environmental social governance, uh, where companies are really, really trying to show that they're like out there to make a positive difference more than ever before. It, you know, I think this was, this is a perfect opportunity where like, where we're, we're moving that spend that would normally go to Starbucks gift cards towards these trends. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's really where the idea came about. And it just hits on that mark of just, again, in this typical virtual world that we're in, showing that you're a real person, right? You're not just yeah. hitting and hitting one button and sending 100 emails. Like this is the care that's built into everything that you've you've built around. And that, that's a perfect way of starting a potential partnership on the foundation of something like this versus it just, again, coming off as you want to buy the software? Do you have budget? You know, all those things. It's, it's starting off on something like this will just make things easier. I think going back and forth, um, versus it just being a one way street of a salesperson trying to get you to buy something. It's heartfelt. Yeah. And a a great example of this, it's, it's really the name of the game is humanizing the conversation. It's no more poking Mm -hmm. and praying that you get a response. It's like actually showing I'm a human, you're a human. Let's talk about what's important to you. And an example of that, like we have users that will use it after their uh, their meetings, right? Uh, as a follow up, right? Thank you so much for your time. And the beauty here is that you're empowering the recipient to select something that is important to them. And we track over a million in the U.S., right? So you're saying, here's my offer. You you select, right? We make it really easy mm-hmm. for them to select. And some of these organizations are unbe- so random but so personal, like. Atlantic yeah. White Shark Conservancy, like white sharks in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I always never knew. <laughs> or like yeah. the school district in Decatur, or like just super, super random. But that—that's really—it's the personalization. So, 
Yeah. And I think the other piece too, is that, you know, we're talking a lot of it for top of funnel or even after discovery call, but just throughout the cycle. And, and even like when, um, you know, Christmas came up, I took, I took my pipeline and some of the ops were just, uh, we're just kind of in a, in a pause mode until Q1. So it was a great opportunity to put these guys and say, Hey, I know it's that time of year, you know, we, we like to give back to our customers and our prospective customers. So it's, it's a good little piece there too. But did you also kind of build this on the psychology of, of reciprocity and knowing that, you know, me donating to a charity versus like giving you a Starbucks gift card, you're probably psychologically more likely to, to want to reach back out to me. Was, was that factored into this as well? Cause I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think the, the piece about reciprocity, it's just kind of an innate uh, factor or characteristic of this whole process. So if you offer to donate to a charity that your prospect cares about, just by the nature of it, of you wanting to support an organization near and dear to them, they're going to be that much more compelled to help you in whatever way you'd like, you know, just based on that, right? And and also because this is a, a, a touch that no prospect really ever gets. It's, it's very genuine. It's very altruistic. It's very unusual compared mm-hmm. to the status quo. Um, and you can choose to simply like, like you did for your, your, um, for your holiday campaign, which was incredible is, you know, kind of out, out of the niceness of your heart to, to offer to support a charity that they care about without any ask, you know, if they mm-hmm. do accept them, that offers that opens up a conversation. But if you do have an ask like a meeting there, they, your prospect is much more likely to accept your request for a meeting when they see that you care this deeply about what's important to them. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, as a salesperson, a lot of times you're also just kind of sitting and wondering how they are thinking about you and talking about you internally at their own company. And I think when you're aligning yourself to the greater good and sometimes an executive, how this even gets started and being in a line, if they can drop something like that, it just, I think it just shines just such a bright light on you as a person. Obviously you hope it's also going to help you on the end of, of, selling the best software, but just, I think it just puts you all in much of, much of a better light. And at the end of the day, if something happens, great. If it doesn't, something's something good comes out of it, no matter what in these scenarios, right? I give you a Starbucks gift card. Someone else gets coffee versus this. Everyone's going to be happy and Mm -hmm. excited about the the overall outcome for if it's a big general uh, charity of some sort or something very specific near and dear to, to people's hearts. Um, it's, it's just amazing to see. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some pretty amazing ones to, to, to move forward with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it really is amazing seeing the results that some of our users are seeing. It's, you know, because they, first of all, it's, it's really easy to apply this to any stage in the sales funnel. You can be totally yeah. top of funnel. You can mm-hmm. be mid funnel or towards the end when you're about to pop past the customer that you've already closed to customer success and you want to ensure that they're engaged great way to pull in the team and, and really kind of align interests that way uh, but we've you know we've seen significant increases in top of funnel conversion and deal acceleration too. acceleration of the deal when a sales rep would have to repeatedly follow up say when are we mm-hmm. meeting when are we meeting and so forth 
you have the meeting, you follow up with a donation gift just to show your appreciation. That is basically what we've seen is instantly re received well and deals pushed to the next stage, ultimately resulting in closed one uh, business. Same thing for top of funnel as well. Yeah, another piece I really like too from the business side is that it's it's not a SaaS license. So yeah, it's you know you're essentially you I'm you you are my commissioned uh, assistance in my outbound efforts, which is brilliant for you because now you don't have to go through a sales cycle yourself. Essentially, of going through T's and C's with customers, it's like put your credit card in. And, you know, you only pay if you, if, if the person accepts the donation. So can you talk to us about that piece as well? Cause that was when you told me that I was like, this, this is great because now you're, you don't have to get the VP of sales to sign off. Usually it's like, like, you know, I talked to our leadership and I said, Hey, I'm going to test this out. And they're like, yeah, fine. You know? Yeah. You know, we really wanted it to be super easy to sign up and use and just start sending donation gifts to anyone in your pipeline or anyone that you want. And it's funny because we, I've done demos and like I've been in sales cycles or, or our sales cycle super short, but whatever <laughs> you want to call it um, with VPs and I'm mid pitch or I'm, you know, 10 minutes into the conversation and he's like, okay, like I get it. I want this can I just sign up for this? And it's like, yeah, you can literally <laughs> go on the website and sign up. And like right on that call that lasts about 20 minutes, you know, he's signed up, he's added all of his sales reps, everyone's connected to the corporate card that they're gonna charge for donations. And it just takes a few seconds to sign up. And that's that's all intentional. Like that's intentionally built into the design of this platform mm -hmm. where we, we want that, we want, to be a solution for SaaS sales, but we also want to have an element of virality attached to it to where mm -hmm. any organization can use it if they see value in it, but truly like, you know, we want, we want that adoption to be accelerated through that. Yeah. And I think too, um, the company I'm at, we've grown and expanded exponentially and uh, so many great things have come from that, but also sometimes as you grow, you, there's, uh, there can be red tape and all these approvals to try to get something going. And it's yeah. just one of those things where you try to come up with an idea or implementing new solution and it can just take forever. I was talking to uh, a new rep just got, our, got hired on our team and he was saying it's going to take him two weeks to get his zoom info, you know, credentials, like something like that. You should, should take two seconds, but I think small company or large, you make it so easy that, you know, reach out to someone in marketing or somewhere else to be able to get it done in 20 minutes. I mean, I wish my sales cycle was 20 minutes, but <laughs> um, it's nice to just break down all those barriers and make it just so easy that it, you can't say no. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that, man. This is awesome. So Xander, how did you meet your, uh, your co-founder as well? Scott, how did that, how'd you guys get tied together? Yeah, so uh, Scott and I worked at Oracle, and okay. uh, so we worked we worked there, and we actually and then Aiden, our uh, co-founding engineer, was a close family friend as well, and uh, you know just keeping in touch and and uh, spending a lot of time at Oracle, we you know we kind of butted heads together in in, in mm -hmm. starting this. And Aiden was the one who came with the technical knowledge. Uh, you know, I'm, we were, Scott and I are wearing a bunch of hats, uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. in terms of customer success and sales and just general operations and uh, also product management. But Aiden, who's extremely experienced front end and back end engineer, uh, he he's kind of the, the the technical brains behind the the whole thing. And uh, yeah, so we're nice. we're a, a, a small nimble team, right? But you know, we we don't plan on really ever having an office. We don't plan. We you know. We're gonna we're gonna leverage this kind of remote world we're in and and be a very lean team and one day you know expand it as the as the sales effort needs to needs to increase and uh, go from there. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's the type of product that like like you're saying you can just plug in your credit card and get it moving so you can keep your overhead very lean and you know you guys could probably be, you know turn profitable very quickly so that's. That's, that's great. So I know we've talked a lot about kind of the journey, um, you know, how you became an entrepreneur, but kind of pivoting back to what we talk about on optimized sales is more of the, you know, more of your routine, physical, mental, spiritual. Um, can you kind of talk us through a typical routine that you went through? Obviously starting a company is very stressful. So are there, are there things that you do for, you know, your mental health, your physical health, diet, stuff like that? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so in terms of my daily routine and nutrition and mental health and physical health, like you said, it's very much rooted in just kind of some key principles that I have. Uh, and, and, and really, these key principles serve as the foundation for really everything I do professionally, daily, whatever, whatever that might be. And it's it's essentially, it's kind of almost like leveraging a little bit of Tony Robbins speak, let's say, Um, Mm -hmm. but I am extremely goal oriented and someone who I don't just write my goals down and put them into on, on new year's day and then put them into the drawer and, you know, then a year later (laughs) be like, Oh man, I I hit that one. I missed that one. You know, uh, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. do. I am constantly referencing these goals in tracking my progress to them to, uh, you know, I am uh, almost obsessive, uh, obsessive note taker and just an mm-hmm. organization, like fan of organization. And, you know, I have my goal note on my Evernote. My entire life is in Evernote. So like my goal, my goal, goals are shortcut right there. So I always have them within view when I'm working. Um, it's, it's one of the, the most important thing among the most important notes that I have. And in terms of these goals, so obviously I believe in incremental progress towards achieving goals, right? So it's these micro habits that we do each day that get Mm -hmm. us closer to these goals. And really in order to achieve these goals, it's all about maintaining a high standard of yourself to where you believe that you, that, you know, these goals are absolutely achievable and, and, and you could surpass them. But then it's also, being able to attribute pleasure and pain towards the towards things that that really d- dictate your, the direction that you go in life and just in your day uh, on a basic level. And what I mean by that is, I believe that you can achieve goals by attributing strong pleasure mentally towards the micro steps that get you towards you achieving the objectives you want. So. I'm going to, I'm, I work out every day at six in the morning. I attribute mentally a lot of pleasure towards that, that workout, because I know that when I do that, 
I am by far my best energetically, mm-hmm. mentally, socially. I, I'm starting my day on the perfect footing. I attribute a, a lot of pain mentally towards missing a workout. I attribute so much to it that I, I, I basically would never choose to miss one because I know that when I don't, I'm not on top of the day. I'm not as like great, you know, in, in any category you could think of, right? And mm-hmm. for example, I attribute a lot of pain towards scrolling through social media uh, during the day when I could be doing something else. And I, but I attribute pleasure towards not looking at my phone, right? Yeah. And so it, it's kind of that um, that helps me stay aligned with with what I want to do. It, it, it makes it really easy for me to make decisions. Will this bring me pleasure and, and keep me aligned with my goals or will it detract and ultimately drive pain for me? And in terms of my routine, you know, I'm working out 6 a.m. every day. I'm not I'm not getting up at like three or four or I think 6 a.m. is a is a is a yeah. really good middle ground. Um Huge fan of the Peloton, by the way, like massive fan of that. I, I, I yeah. You and I, Sean do, both. I was gonna. Do you do more than just the rides? Do you do any of the other things? I I barely ever do rides. Okay. I, I basically only do strength courses or um or uh, what's the other one? Strength or stretching. So I've like now I, I've now surpassed rides, which wasn't a super high number, but I've surpassed rides with. Uh, I use their meditation all the time. So nice. I've been using, so it's like, it was interesting when I saw the the stats and I like went over cause now my wife and I both do the meditation. We, we do the sleep meditation, which is actually been incredible. We'll toss that on. And I've oh. never seen both of us pass out within five minutes, like ever. Um, but everything they're doing is yeah. So now I use their meditation more. I'm needing to get back on the actual writing and working out, but um, they make it very easy for you as, as it's right there. And then on your phone or now I've got Roku. So then all the, I can do it all on the, the big TV too. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I actually should check out those meditation classes. Uh, my wife is, is really into them. Uh, I, I haven't, I've only done a few, um, but I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I, I think I like, you know, it's just speaking about the like pleasure and pain of staying to a routine, right? With Peloton, I love the fact that, you know, when you do a workout, you have that calendar of specific of showing every day that you've mm-hmm. done it, right? So you can clearly see if you've missed, um, and so forth. Uh, and I, I also do like my own workouts too, just in case I yeah. run out of workouts to do on Peloton. To be honest, because they they take a few days to to do them, um, but in terms of that daily routine, really getting that out of the way, cooking a breakfast, uh, you know, in terms of, of, uh, in terms of that, you know, it's usually like toast and maybe four eggs or something and a glass of grapefruit juice and coffee or like some, and maybe a Greek yogurt with that. So I can get some calories to last me throughout the day. Um, read the wall street journal for a little bit and then, really get right to it and hop into the most pressing tasks that I have for that day. Um, and, and really just prioritize that when I'm at peak energy level, mm-hmm. uh, try to eat every two hours or every two and a half hours, uh, basically from my first meal up until the night with a, with a meal at night, right before bed as well. Um, and, uh, really like minimal time with the phone, uh, headphones on like, just ready to go. 
mm-hmm. and and really you know be how I you know customer meetings, sales meetings, and so forth. But in terms of inter- internal team meetings, like we try to kind of minimize those. Like you know we'll have a weekly meeting, but we really try to be as efficient as possible with those, just so we're not uh, spending too much time. <laughs> like like uh, a lot a lot of roles that I've been in. Yeah, just um, wasted meetings. I mean, you can just. Again, we're all in technology. Yeah. You can just track everything, whether it's in your CRM or what you're doing. Yeah. That all those times just wasted. Yeah, I, I love that. But yeah, and and you know, just just to add too is I I'm a big fan of time management. Like I'm I I am literally doing Intro Snap and about to wrap up an MBA at the same time and planning a wedding with my wife that, you know, is probably taking more time than, than all of these things <laughs> combined, right? Um, but, you know, big fan of time management, right? Work efficiently, work in, intelligently, um, and, and really with, with little to no distractions, but also be flexible, because obviously with, with uh, you know, running a startup, there could be a fire at any minute, something breaks, customer mm-hmm. issue, whatever that might be. So having that agility, um, and in, in terms of diet, uh, really, I, I don't subscribe to like, I'm not vegan, I'm not vegetarian, I've tried to be pescatarian, didn't really work very long. Like, it, it's huh. just, I always struggled with keeping meat on my bones. Mm. And honestly, like it, it, it's extremely, just my entire life has been very frustrating. Like I was, I was a rower for, for 10 years uh, doing crew and I would just do these unbelievable workouts, but would never eat. I wouldn't, didn't know what proper, like, you know, uh, yeah. exercise nutrition was. So I was, I was a total rail basically um, back then. So my diet is really like everything in moderation, as long as it doesn't hurt me, cause I'm, I'm definitely allergic to peanuts, but uh, everything in moderation and frequent meals every two or two and a half hours with sufficient calories and vegetables, meat, whatever, protein, carbs, um, including that with the exercise, uh, with a, with a, a night meal before. Yeah. I was going to ask if you'd experimented with, uh, fasting at all, but based on what you told me, maybe yeah, it sounds uh, like you're the probably not the best <laughs> prospect for that. Cause Matt and I both, uh, are on the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum, but we're, we're both actually doing a, a weight loss competition with some uh, buddy of ours, buddies of ours and it's interesting to seeing everyone's tactics but matt and i are both of wanting being competitive and want to win but it's also we don't want to completely starve ourselves like i want to you know have some good food from time to time versus going on a juice cleanse for you know three weeks um and i think it's kind of i still want to hey pleasure and pain right like i still want to enjoy the food i'm eating and not just have boiled chicken and plain broccoli um, so we're, we're aligned there, but, uh, definitely love, uh, uh, eating too much to be able to give that one up. Yeah. 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 Or what were you going to say, Matt? No, no, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, my biggest issue is when things like historically in my life and I'm, I, I, one of my big goals is to keep what I'm doing up because I'm, I'm fighting this is like, when I, when stress would start to build or when my schedule would start to get really, really full, I would, I could lose pounds in an instant. Yeah. Like I could, I could easily skip meals 
and I could easily go to sleep with an empty stomach, which is like the worst thing. I like I I, I can't do that because I would lose like four or five pounds just in in a night. If I'm if I'm my metabolism is insane, honestly. Um, but it's really that struggle of having like making sure that I'm eating enough. So I do a lot of meal prep in the evenings, Smart, especially yeah. if I'm on the go. Uh, my wife and I basically never we rarely ever eat out. We we tend to cook everything. We like to cook clean and and uh, and and do that. Uh, a lot of like chicken breasts and broccoli and fish and kind of all those those core staples, right? Um, um, and, uh, and yeah, but, that, I, that, that's really, that's really what I, what my focus well, is. Well, I think what's interesting too, and making a comparison to what I was talking about with meditation and you talking about it with pleasure and pain and it, it's reflective of social media or your diet or anything else in life. So I th- always find it interesting. And again, I didn't do a lot of meditation prior to the last year or so. And as you listen to some of these, especially more the, the extended ones over like 10 minutes um, and they're guided meditations. So it's, it's always interesting. There's typically they either guide you back or they, there's something to say to bring you back. But there's a lot around making sure you're not losing focus, right? To come back to where you are in, in the focus of the meditation. But I think that's true to your comparison of pleasure and pain and acknowledging, okay, I'm on my phone too long. This is causing me pain. I need to come back. Or I haven't been eating. This is causing me pain. But I think sometimes that is... Uh, can be just such a struggle. And when you don't have a routine at all and you haven't thought about that, that's where it's just going to remain consistent. So that's, we've, we've done a podcast about, uh, you know, the importance of your routine. We've done a podcast about, you know, affirmation and setting goals. And I think those are just such good foundations to building a better life and having the most productive days and weeks and best years of your life. But if you don't have that, it's so easy to waver off and not recognize that you've, in our instance, gained a lot of weight and out of shape to your instance, probably lost a lot of weight and going the opposite direction um, to acknowledge that, to then come back and, and, and really focus on all the things that are important. So um, it's, I will say there's been some interesting different tactics for a lot of the people we've interviewed, but a, a lot that's also overlapped around the importance of the daily routine. Um, and you get thrown off and you got to acknowledge you're doing that and, and being able to come back. But so many people just, you know, have their, their specific ways of doing it. But I love kind of hearing everything across the board from your diet to the affirmation just really hits home. Yeah. The pleasure, the pleasure and the pain piece of it too. I, I've never heard it phrased that way, but I think that's, that's an interesting approach to it because it, it is true, you know, and you kind of feel that, feel that resistance when you're on your phone scrolling, you're like, Okay, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. Like this is not this is not benefiting me really much here. But it's hard to it's hard to recognize the pain in the instance versus right, yeah. versus at the end of the week when your when your iPhone tells you your screen viewing has been up fifteen percent. Then yeah. I hit with pain, and they're like, "Shit!" Then you're intentional that week, but it's sometimes so hard in that moment to recognize yeah. the pain. Um, and that's why we all still do it. Um, but but the routine, you know, that's, that's, there's the aspect that you have to almost be in groundhog day on certain things, which I think honestly helps because then, then you don't, you're not consciously thinking about it. Cause if, if you can do that, if you're, you're waking up, you're exercising, you got your meals ready. It's, it's on autopilot. Your brain is not really thinking much about that. You've done it so many times. Now you can focus on intro snap. What do we have to do? What fires do we have to put out? I mean, 
there is so much value to that. Where I think a lot of people are like, well, this is boring. I don't want to yep. do the same thing every day. But it's like there's certain aspects that have to be that way. And the most successful people on the planet have those defined routines every day and they do not sway from them. And that's exactly why that they, you know, they are where they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I've, I've all, you know, I've had goals. I've always been a goal person, right? I've always written something down, put it in the Evernote or put it on a piece of paper. And, you know, I've obviously like everyone, right has deviated from goals like the that that's and that's a challenge that people want to fix but i think this this approach that i've kind of adopted of pleasure and pain i i really think for i think it's very far reaching it's very far reaching into every aspect of our life like matt like yeah. you were saying scrolling through your phone you once you attribute enough pain to that to the end result that you'll experience from too much like that notification you were talking about, Sean. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, I know to never do that. And I, I and so this is this is a mindset that I've actually seen like great results in. I, I don't even think about going scrolling on Facebook or whatever during like certain times of the day. I you, you start to your mindset starts to change what's important to you at that very moment and versus like what you know, what should be important to you. Um, and so carrying that into sales too, like, I believe that, you know, whether it's, oh, I'm not prospecting enough. Like if I procrastinate yeah. on this prospecting, I'm going to experience a ton of pain at the end mm -hmm. of the quarter. Right. Uh, and it'll be vice versa. If I don't like it, it can be applied to anything really. Um, and like, if I, if I don't prioritize this, 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 uh, customer, or I have this MBA thing going on or whatever. Uh, it's really far reaching. And, and so I think that this is, this is a mindset that I will continue to carry. And honestly, like I talk with my wife about it, like she, she's, she's a big fan of it too. And it's just a way to, you know, uh, get closer to your goals. So when I think it, you can't do it with everything in life. And I know Matt's a big proponent of the affirmation, but like getting it in front of you. So one of the, something else that I'm trying this year, um, from a sales perspective is trying to essentially touch every one of my clients or prospects every week. Cause it's going from a pain perspective. There's nothing worse than end of a week, month, quarter. And then you look at your account list and you're like, honestly, I haven't even touched them yet. Yeah. But sometimes cause they're not in front of you. So this sounds incredibly elementary, but, um, something I've done is essentially have my, all my accounts on a chip in front of me just with a name, just think two little buckets. And you have, mm -hmm. since I don't have a thousand accounts, it makes it a little easier. And you've got a bucket here and a bucket here and it has just a name for me to be able to go client account prospect as simple as hitting someone up on LinkedIn, giving a call, sending an email, whatever, or touching a current client, putting it over in this bucket. So by the end of the week, I know I've sending touched an intro snap, sending an intro snap, but by the end of the week, I know I've touched every single go. one of my, my clients or prospects <laughs> once. And it's just kind of nice because the pleasure you gain from that, again, it seems so simple, but if it's not in front of you, you don't realize it until you look in Salesforce at the end of the, you know, the week or whatever, and you haven't done that, but having it in front of you, I think makes it so much easier. And then the other thing too, having 
um, I forget what you the phrase of kind of the micro goals of having something that's attainable, something small and easy that can be a quick win every day, every minute, every hour versus like, I want to W2 $10 million this year. <laughs> I'm going to set this high goal. And then, you know, you kind of can let yourself, I mean, I've made $10 million every year. It's fine. Don't tell my wife. But, um, I think having those, those goals that are, that are really attainable is, is something that's, that's important too. Um, something else I, I've asked a lot of our guests and I'm interested you know, the last two years of COVID have changed a lot of people's lifestyles from making big moves from one, from one side of the country to the next. But also uh, for me, I've adopted a lot of these things that I wasn't doing a lot before from fasting to breath exercises and all this stuff. Um, is there anything you've learned from a learning perspective the last couple of years, uh, whether it's in your daily routine or just something that you've tried that you might not have um, prior to COVID that uh, has made an impact on kind of your life, whether it's personal or career, um, anything that you've done, again, it can be across the gamut of your diet, uh, exercise, something you do for fun. Um, but something that's impacted you positively, I guess, from COVID. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, just thinking about the impact of COVID on my life. It's, it, it's, it, you know, it, COVID has had such a monster, a, a massive yeah. impact on all of our lives. But on just talking about my experience, uh, it has really, really changed the life that my wife and I have. Like unbelievably, we were we were in San Francisco, paying all this money. You know, things were going well. Now we're on the East Coast in a completely new land. We never visited Georgia in the past, you know, before moving here. We just hopped on a plane and did it. Um, uh, and I, I think it, it was one of the times in my life where I took a big leap of faith jump yeah. uh, into a foreign situation where I, I believed that there was tremendous upside in this move whether it's, you know, lifestyle wise or professionally or, or really experience wise, really anything. But if you, if you rewound two years ago to, in, you know, early 2020, it kind of looked like the world was, was melting down. Like it was, it was, it was really, really crazy. And, um, for someone like myself who, you know, never really lived outside of the, of California in my, you know, post-college or, or really pre-college, if you discount when I was really young, yeah, that was a really, really daunting thing. And the result of that is that I, I feel like I've grown pretty exponentially since those times with, with those experiences. And I think it, the going back to the pleasure and pain thing, like that, that level of discipline enabled me to thrive in this move here. Because it could have easily gone the other way. Oh, I don't know anyone here, new mm -hmm. environment, you know, whatever excuse that someone could come up with. But when you have those goals and you're disciplined and you and you and you adjust these goals based on your changing circumstance, which is what we had to do moving here. Right. You could not only achieve your your the goals that you've set but you could accelerate them if you if, if your new circumstances are are conducive to achieving those goals faster um and so you know i i think it's really that leap of faith that did it and i think that leap of faith pushed increased my discipline in achieving these these goals and these micro goals i have whether it's fitness financial educational 
uh, uh, relationship, family, whatever that might be. I love that. And, and I always ask that because obviously there's always great answers, but you know, you just turn on the news and it's still just like the world's on fire yet. <laughs> everyone we talk to and then a lot of people outside of our network that we still talk to, it's just everyone, some it's taken a little bit longer, but for the most part of the last two years, just everyone has taken advantage of this in the most positive ways from starting something, starting a company, building something, their health, their family, all that. I just wish we could find a way to better highlight all these incredible things so that everyone else would see that and take that leap of faith and do something different. And, um, leverage this time of, of if you're able, if you're working remote and from home to turn it into the greater good and doing something. Um, that's why I always love asking that. But I, I think, cause it's one of those things, if COVID hadn't happened, you know, you'd probably still be in San Francisco. I mean, you know, paying a lot of money and we're happy to have you here, uh, here in Georgia. So there we go. We may not have this podcast cause this started at COVID too. Exactly. <laughs> like it went and it just started Matt again, we're still very close friends and he reached out to me and I was kind of say it as, He's like, like, you want to start a podcast? And I was like, about what? Like, what are we going to do? And then he was like, health and wellness. And his Matt's always been into it. And I was like, well, that's kind of your thing. Like, I haven't really done that then ever since. And, you know, my wife can pop on here and say the same thing. Like, it's just been a core focus of mine for the last, you know, year and a half. And, and I think it's truly paid off in dividends. So I, you know, again, look back hopefully in 20, 30 years to COVID, just doing something incredible and, and yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. COVID is really like in many respects, the great reset. You know, if you were, if you felt like there was always something that you had to do, but you never had a chance to do it. A lot of people like, for example, the podcast or, or even intro snap, like my entrepreneurial endeavors as well. You know, it's, it's weird to say because it's had such a, it's torn everything up. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, if you go to San Francisco now, Compared to Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta is, is is more or less normal now. It kind of has almost always been, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco, you you know, <laughs> I, I can't describe it. If you think about New York City or the very the very opposite of, of, of where we are right now, you know, it, it was really terrible for for certain people. But um, you know, all, but where where there's terrible stuff going on, there's also opportunity. Um, if it's, if it's approached that way. So I agree. I'm into yeah. that. Yeah. One, one final thought as, cause I'm reading this book called neuroselling, which is awesome. If you, you know, if you guys haven't heard of it, but it just, it, it takes a brain science approach to selling from a uh, guy named, I think Jeff, Jeff Bloomfield. But part of what he talks about is that a lot of the sales process is completely backwards in terms of how we do things like we, when we talk to people, it's a lot of facts and figures and you're, you're talking to the neocortex, which is the logical thinking brain. But he said that the most effective way to sell is to start with the emotional brain um, and then kind of work your way backwards. So tying that back to intro snap, you know, whether you plan this or not, I think it's, it's, a, it's another cool piece as I'm looking at this book, looking at what you're doing, saying, Hey, this is, this is a way to sort of bypass what they're used to from sales reps and, kind of hit that emotional part. Like, Hey, this charity is important to me because of, of whatever reason and tying that back first, you know, early in the sales cycle to, to make it more of an emotional sale. Then you can hit them with, you know, here's what the product does. Here's the problems right. we solve, but just, uh, just a thought there. Nice. Yeah. Xander. Absolutely. I, 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 uh, Matt, I, I think that that's a, a great point. And, and really, 
that that's how people are using it now and when we're, and we're seeing more and more use of like that where it's whether you have a follow-up call and you have the next meeting and you're saying hey awesome that you selected the world wildlife fund as your charity you know what kind of started that uh kind of building that personal rapport because they're going to remember you for that right they're going to remember you for that um and then going into the selling part right um for when you've really hooked them that way so yeah really mm -hmm. appreciate and i'm going to check out that book as well matt that's uh, that sounds great yeah so guys uh Check it out. Check out Intersnap. Stop being a douchebag sitting Starbucks gift cards like everyone else. <laughs> make it, Never make a again. Change. Um, Xander, thanks so much for joining, man. You want to tell everyone where they can, where they can find you, best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you guys so much for, for hosting me today. Uh, go to introsnap.com. All you got to do is sign up there. You can just sign up and start using it today. Uh, there's no SaaS license, as, as Matt mentioned, and uh, you can start sending uh, donation gifts right away. So thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. awesome. That was wonderful. Thanks, Xander. All right. See ya. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Optimize Sales with your hosts, Matt and Sean. We hope you enjoyed today's show and we look forward to bringing you more health and wellness tactics to make you the best sales rep or sales leader possible. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Optimize Sales, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on all major podcast distros. As always, you can head over to OptimizeSalesShow.com to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. And remember, optimize your mind and body, optimize your pipeline.